0: I I hate losing my little sound effects, and I I hate the fact that I have to format the SD card every time. (laughs) we can do we, this. Can we get a roadcaster?
1: Maybe I'll get a roadcaster mini. Is that one of those hands? Uh, I
0: mean, I could just I could bring the other one over and just do it the old-fashioned way. It's just so big. That's what she it's said. Still have that one. Shimmy shimmy cocoa Bop. Um shimmy shimmy. All right, so it's been it's been a couple weeks, but here we are finally getting underway at long last. Yeah. We have to hurry cuz I have to take my dog for a haircut.
1: Yeah, I'm um, very concerned with this dog of yours, and uh, the uh, the haircut, and uh, apparently there is a meth addict cutting uh, the, the dog's hair. Well, she's the assistant, and... Um, she's also a fan of the show, so just...
0: No, I, for all I know, she listens to the show. I mean, she uh, it's, she's like one of those people who has left meth behind, but meth has not left her behind. Ah, uh, yes. You know what I mean? She still carries the... The aura, a penumbra of meth around her, (laughs) if you will. There's a glow. It's the, yeah, the meth glow. Meth glow, yeah. That and the, there's some dental concerns. But, you know, I'm not here to to cast stones or small rocks, as the case may be, (laughs) because apparently we're talking about cocaine this week, subject near and dear to my faltering heart. Yeah, crack, crack cocaine, um, and all the fun and
1: pain you can have with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, boy. Yeah, we... Sorry we had to take a dark week last week. Um yeah. I blame my partner who uh has <laughs> you know, obligations and driving around colleging and that sort of thing
0: and it's just work and last week was a fucking ball buster, man, for a variety of reasons. We could talk about it. Let's do do say the thing you need to say and then we'll move into it.
1: And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And I'm Mike. R. And, and Boyd, Arr. we have a show for
2: you Arr. today on Talk R- Like a
1: Pirate Day. M A R. We discuss Bill Clegg's seminal work, Portrait of an Addict as a Young Man. Uh, and it's basically a harrowing crackalog. Uh, and it's a pretty, pretty interesting book. And um, it's Mike and Nat in the Morning. All this and more today on a very special edition of R.M.A. Hey! Welcome back. Welcome back, yes, Connor. Yes. Thanks. Did I go somewhere? Um, <laughs> you did. You went to... I went to Scranton. Right. You were visiting the home of the show, The Office.
0: Yeah, you know, you watch The Office, and you'd think Scranton is some, some Shangri-La of offices, but really, it's just a dump, with all apologies to anybody that lives in Scranton, Scranton. yeah. I mean, downtown's kind of a... I don't think anyone would come on and argue with me that downtown Scranton is yeah. some sort of pinnacle of uh, urban sophistication, but um, yeah, I had to drop a very reluctant son off at college. Yeah. He uh, the night before just decided to drop on us that he hates everything and mm. uh, he doesn't uh, want to go and all this other stuff. God, and I know the feeling. Yeah, uh, you know, and I'm like, well, you have a week to let me know if you're going to carry this through, so I can get my money back. But right. if you, d- if I don't hear from you, then in for a penny, in for a, a fucking pound, in for twenty grand. <laughs> so um, I haven't heard anything. So let's. Well, I mean.
1: You know, not everybody's college experience is, um, you know... Linear? Yeah. Mine certainly wasn't. I mean, as many of you know, it took me 22 years to complete uh, my undergraduate. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Thank (laughs) you. That was a big day for me. (laughs) You know, sometimes I just pick that uh, degree up and stare at it and go, "Yeah, yeah, that's me. Right.
0: I'm a bachelor now. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. Sorry, honey. Yeah, I was right behind you. (laughs) 13 years And uh, I don't know I've met very few people Who's taken as long As you and I Yeah (laughs) Most people are like Wow it took me Seven or eight years Yeah yeah And uh, they're like Oh man I'm like You have no idea No idea Uh, No idea so, yeah, that was part of the week. And then my son Jack had his uh, birthday, Birthday, yes. How old? 16th birthday. So, you know, this week is always mixed with sadness and happiness at the same time because his birth coincided with the death of my wife, unfortunately. Mm, oh, wow. So it's always That's right. like a yeah. mixed bag. Although I've never, you know, I always try to make sure that he does not associate those two events in his mind with he- one another. Uh, But uh, that conversation is going to have to be had at some point in in a little more detail. But yeah, um, that's tough. But he wanted to go into the city with his friends uh, and walk around without us, Mm. without me. Like, so I was like, okay, you know, we convinced the other parents that this was a good idea. Where in the city? Just like anywhere. (laughs) They wanted to see Times Square, Chinatown and Soho, I guess. Not Funky Town? Not Funky you Town You avoided Funky I Town I did not take them to Funky Town um, Yeah <laughs> That's Funky Town That's it uh, So I took them in and, and I left And I You know Thanks to find my iPhone mm. I could see where they were Yeah I love that So thing. I just sort of tracked them You know I shadowed them around the city Like not like A block away or anything I just I brought my camera I took pictures you Yeah Yeah but I just knew where they were and, you know, checked in every couple of hours. and uh,
1: Yeah, I noticed you were writing me back at length. I'm like, huh, I guess uh, he's got some time
0: or <laughs> something, you know. <laughs> so I'm having a real conversation, yeah. Well, like like any true New Yorker, my son like lasted like five minutes in Times Square. He's like, there's nothing here. This place sucks. And <laughs> then they got on the subway and went downtown. You yeah. Know? Uh, But I didn't realize that So I'm kind of lingering around In Times Square I saw the Naked Cowboy Oh, how is it? and Desnudas, Nudas The the women who just stand there With like no clothes on And take pictures with tourists for money And I saw Elmo get into a fight With Spider-Man And it was the usual hijinks (laughs) Going on in Times Square Yeah, that Naked Cowboy Has got to be 70 years old now He looks good Yeah Yeah The Naked Cowboy's in good shape He's just wearing his, you know Diaper or whatever that thing is (laughs) That he wears And uh, it was kind of funny Because it was chilly that day And he's he doesn't care he doesn't care he just walks around he's like a
1: like the like a mailman like neither rain nor snow nor sleet <laughs> yeah. he will be a naked
0: cowboy yeah you know, i wonder what kind of drugs he's on to keep him <laughs> out there in all those weather uh, scenarios but i would love to get him on the show so i had a moment though you know i'm i'm down to, you know i have i don't really hang out in the city like if i go to the city <laughs> i go you're doing something i go to do something i go to a museum i go to a thing a show or right. something but So, this is the first time I really walked around Manhattan in years. How does it look? It's very different, but yeah. that's why they call it New York. Right. Right. Well, Every time. Um, <laughs> but there were some things that were old. For example, the area around Cana- well, Canal Street, uh, I go to there's a little park in Chinatown. I don't know if you know where that is. There's guys in there who play like Chinese checkers. It's yeah. all like Chinese immigrants. You've heard of it. Mostly older. And, uh, First thing I see is these two cops surrounding this eighty-year-old Chinese man, and he's—they're giving him a ticket and for drinking out of a bag. And I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, guys! Like, really? The tombs is literally a block away. The courthouses are all right there, and these cops are just going around picking off the low-hanging fruit. I guess uh, towards the end of January, they need to meet them quotas, but it's this guy is wasted. He's like 80 years old. He has no idea what's happening around him. And his friend is explaining and is translating between the, and he's drunk too, nice. between the, the cops and the, and the guy that he has to go to court. And all of a sudden I'm like, this guy's not going to court. <laughs> he doesn't even know where court is, even yeah. though it's two blocks away. Yeah. <laughs> So that was interesting Then I used the bathroom In that park And I haven't been In a New York City Public a bathroom public bathroom Yeah What is it
1: I didn't even there know There were they people them. Like
0: living in there It was oh. It was like uh, So it's nice then No Oh but there <laughs> No well, how- I mean There was urine everywhere Like on the walls On the floor And then bloodstained Fucking toilet paper I'm like Jesus Christ Like does anybody come in here And hose it out Like once a day Did it have like The blood spray on the ceiling No That's like the I know uh, what that is And and I don't These are old Chinese men I think they They just Missed the bowl Yeah right (laughs) Um (laughs) <laughs> so so, I was down there around five o'clock right and and I used to hang out in that neighborhood because I used to work in that neighborhood so I'd get my lunch in Chinatown you know three out of five days of the week and then after work my wife uh, who passed away like she worked in the courts there because she was public defender and so I would meet down at Winnie's or some of these other New York City bars Right in Chinatown, and that was a little uh, intri- a little bit of a trigger, you know, just because yeah. it had been so many years, but I remembered what it was like to sort of roll out of the office, mm. roll out of the courthouse, and go to these bars, and then sit in there, and, you, you know, little now cop. I'm like a kid in the candy store, like, I look through the window, and all these people are drinking whiskey and all this stuff, wow. and... It's not a, I mean there was nostalgia certainly but there was no there was no desire to go in and participate you know That's interesting um you know because this book that we're talking about
1: today is like it takes place in New York and it's all about crack and when I was listening to it you know I was thinking about doing it for the show but I honestly had some hesitation to send it over to you cuz mm. I knew I'm like should I we even do this I don't want to like make you uncomfortable because it's just, like, I felt like reading it, Like it really, like, ticks all those boxes oh, yes. for, like, triggering. Even for me, you know, just because I also, you know, w- not to that extent, but the cra- I remember going after crack like that, like that oh, yeah. mentality. And the way that this Bill Clegg describes how he was feeling when he was doing it, it's so, I don't know, it's like, it's really colorful, I guess you could say. It really paints a picture that takes me back and... Not the best way.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, we'll talk about it when we get into the book, I guess. But he was right on the money with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And the fact that he's a writer and a literary agent makes he's able to drive the point home. But but one overarching thing I will say about listening to a book like that is I don't find it triggering so much as um, it just reminds me yeah. of how bad it was yeah. and how. I never want to feel that way again. So, in that respect, it it reinforces my sobriety. It doesn't
1: romanticize it. That's
0: no, I mean, he very matter of fact.
1: Yeah. It comes out. Yeah. He's pretty poetic, but yeah. So, uh, you know, that's going to be a pretty, (laughs) pretty good discussion. Um, But it just brings back like when, where we are in recovery to be in those scenarios. Like, I remember when that was really going to be deadly for me. Oh, yeah. Um, But like to be back in your old stomping grounds or to like, listen to a book that could trigger you. I mean, you still feel like, you know, uh, you're at a place where you can observe it objectively, sort of like, I think of it like I'm outside of my body, like seeing those things. I don't live, you know, those those feelings anymore of, of like craving and things like that.
0: No, but it definitely gives you the feels for, the, you know, that, that feeling of Sunday morning coming down mm. as, the, as the song goes, like... um you uh, you definitely feel the sun poking over the horizon yeah. at seven a.m. and the oh shits what have I done with my life like yep. that came came back to me as if it was yesterday. Wow! And you know I, I felt like I had a low grade depressive crack hangover the entire time <laughs> I was wow. listening to the book. But before we get into that, um, you may recall that after I got back from uh, Scranton. Hmm. I'm sitting there And I'm I'm looking at my phone And you text me Out of the blue And you're like Are you going to the science fair (laughs) And I'm like (laughs) The 7th grade science fair What the fuck Are you talking about And then I remembered That it was a thing Yeah so so uh so we went. <laughs> well, you know, it had been such a big deal in our house, just
1: like we were stressing about it. Noah wasn't doing it, you know, like many of his projects. It was just pushed to get yes. it done, mm-hmm. and he did it, and I thought everybody was going through this, you know. So, of course, I wanted to, <laughs> I figured I'd run into you and Ben, and then I text you, you're like, what are you talking about? I don't no, think we I, have to go, I, I think I knew he said. about it, right, <laughs> yeah.
0: but... I wasn't going to go and Ben didn't want to go and Aaron was like making move towards pajama time. Yeah. And uh, uh sorry. I was yeah. like, fuck, I have to, we should go.
1: I figured you should at least have a nudge, you know. Yeah. You didn't have to go. It wasn't like a grade associated with it, but the entire grade was there. And I, uh of course, seeing all those people that we know so well um, is always awkward for me. But uh, yeah, I don't know a lot of
0: them all that well. Yeah. Like, there's a, there's a <laughs> lot of parents who have, Kids in like Jack's grade, yeah, who were there who I talked to, but I, as far as Ben's, because Ben doesn't have a ton of friends, yeah, you know, he's he struggles with that, and uh, um, yeah, Noah has the same problem in that grade, yeah, and so there really is no parents that like I hang out and associate with, so I spent like an hour standing awkwardly up against the wall uh, talking to you occasionally. Uh, but you, like, were holding court, man. Like, this is a steady succession of parents. You seem to be well-known in the community. Unfortunately, I mean, They all come up and want their their time to talk to yes, you. yes they want to know
1: where have you been what have you been doing yes how's the store that's my favorite one how's the store doing mm, in other words you haven't been yeah. there have ever have you been because, downtown yeah. in the last year <laughs> everything is closing <laughs> you know it bagels closed that hurt that yeah. one uh, i used to eat there all the time the place next to my old shop closed down the florist by the way mm. your old shop is that guy ever open Um, I think that that was a front for something. Okay. You know, because the guy owned another cell phone shop across the street. Oh. And was surreptitiously opening this one. I think whatever scam he was working out didn't pan out or something. I don't know. Yeah, I've
0: never seen it open.
1: Yeah. It's really... really The
0: whole thing's pretty shady.
1: Yeah. So, I I drag you out to this science fair, and I had zero expect... My wife didn't even come to this. It was just me. And I had zero expectations for Noah because... I don't know. I didn't even see him really work on it, you know. I all I did was yell at him to do it, and I, and then I, I sort of forgot about it, and uh, and so there he is. He did this project, which was pretty cool. It, you know, it's very, you know, it's it very goes along with um, how much we talk about grammar and word usage in the mm-hmm. house and just vocabulary. So he must have come up with this because I didn't give it to him. It was a poll to see how people pronounce things like what are the percentages of people who say caramel instead of caramel right and he had a few words and he had a QR code and it was pretty cool but I didn't think much of it to be honest with you I thought oh all right he's squeaking by again you know Mm -hmm. he had a nice looking board which you know had a lot to do with my wife Uh, but he put together a nice slideshow he's good with that stuff and so I had zero expectations so I figured nothing's gonna happen whatever but Noah, he stands in front of his science project the entire time and sells it. Mm-hmm. Every parent walks by and he sold his project. He was like going over it. He got them to vote. Mm-hmm. And he, like he says, 40-year-old women love me. And uh, <laughs> he won the first overall just in popular vote, basically. Yeah, um, He's
0: like the Al Gore of science fairs. So, so there's like... He won. There are awards <laughs> that are given out by the teachers for the projects and then there's the popularity contest and your son was hustling Hustling. all week apparently (laughs) to to get his peers to vote for him and stuff and it was pretty pretty wild
1: it's unbelievable because it's not like he's a popular kid like where there's like i don't he doesn't have like a ton of friends like at all you Mm -hmm. know i keep trying to get him to hang out with ben but it's like they're such loners yeah i feel like they're you know it's like the lone wolf syndrome but So I was proud of him I was shocked And then I was mad at myself For not taking it more seriously So I really tried to make up for it With overly praising him And then feeling guilty That I dragged you out to this thing just to watch, uh, you know,
0: Noah schmooze the whole room, you know. Well, Ben's science teacher came up to to us and started talking, and as soon as she said, "You know, I wish I could have given them all awards," I was like, "Let's let's leave." <laughs> <I'm> like there's <laughs> nothing there's nothing coming our way today. Yeah, um, so yeah de- whatever. I mean, Noah sold his way out of it. I don't know. <laughs> I think Ben tried to get Noah to go to round one on Saturday. Ooh, and uh, what the heck it was it doing? was a no go.
1: I don't remember what we were doing. It's been so. It's been so crazy lately, my, uh, my parents got dragged to Ohio to see my, uh, my brother's nephews. Hmm. I don't know if I told you my, my brother for Christmas got my parents um, like a, a tickets from Ohio back to uh, Long Island and then uh, said he would drive them to Ohio to visit both of my nephews, and I, I said, "Dad, I don't know if you should do that. I mean, that sounds really rough. you know you're like going to drive hour drive." And in any case, they did it. My dad's like, oh, I want to see, you know, my grandkids and get it. And um, and they haven't been anywhere in, you know, 10 years or something. But apparently, they had a great time. They're back. And, uh, you know, I guess I'll never get out to Ohio to see Ohio State and all of that stuff. But Why not? It's like a million miles away. Cannon is graduating. Oh. He's going to graduate, and then he goes full pro tennis. He's going to just... You,
0: you will not just like go to Ohio for shits and giggles. Yeah. You know it's Cleveland's got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, really? I recommend. Interesting. Cleveland is an interesting city.
1: Um yeah, I I would love to go back. I went there once in high school to record a record. To Cleveland? <laughs> yes. So did I just say Cleveland is an interesting city. You did. I didn't I didn't I don't really mean that. They have the Browns, don't forget. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, so it was kind of a, a, a lot going on this week, as usual. And uh, we had some sober versaries. Um, oh. Uh, Who do we got? Last week. Well, I saw that Grant uh, has 900 days. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Grant. You're Congratulations. The best. Yeah, congrats. Um, I had kind of a big anniversary. It was uh, January 18th, I got five
0: years. Yeah. Oh shit, man. That's right. I forgot about that. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. thank World's you World's biggest sober guy. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. It's just how does it feel to it, get five years of sobriety under your
1: belt? It would sort of anticlimactic, you know. <laughs> well, when you're not in like one of those groups where everybody like you know yes. has a huge uh, meeting and they someone speaks and you know when I was in AA. And I just wanted my one year. I was like, I just want to be that guy, you know, up on the podium being like, he's got a year. You know, right. everybody goes nuts. But I never got that. I mean, now what I do is I buy myself a fancy coin every year. Oh, you do? Yeah. And um, <laughs> so that makes me feel good. Did and I you look, buy one? Yeah, I did. It's hanging on the wall right behind you. I put it on a keychain. Oh. You see, it's very cool. Yeah, thing? grab it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Isn't that cool?
0: V for victory. That's right. Five years. Oh, five. (laughs) It's a a Roman numeral. It's a Roman numeral. (laughs) I see. You
1: know, but it's so funny how important that stupid thing is to me. Sure. Um, Because, you know, if you guys are out there and you're in the rooms and you're just like, everything is about these chips getting these coins you know, and so I had envied all of these coin getters, and I have a bag of coins, like most of them are 30-day chips, Right, I have some three months, so I kept getting chips, so I always wanted to get, so now that I'm not involved in a regular group, I'm not going to have a bunch of other alcoholics, you know, clapping and all of that stuff, but it's still very satisfying, you know, I never thought I would get this far. And that's pretty much the size of it And that's, here you are And Here we are It's not what I thought it would be That's for sure
0: Do you think counting days is uh, productive? I think I know we've had this conversation before and, and you know I always say No You know You shouldn't count days Because it's not the the, matter, the the amount of time that you have It's the quality of time And it's the way you yeah. look at it But of course I do it The same way that you do it And everybody else does it Yeah Because that's a metric that we
1: It's something to, to use, hold on to Right
0: and I remember early recovery
1: That was pretty much the only attainable goal i can think of like things are so nebulous when you're just trying to to quit using drugs and drink Mm. you know your life is usually in total upheaval for me it was jobs your family everything is in chaos but you've got that thing in the back of your mind you wake up the next day and you've got another day
0: yes and so the philosophy
1: is is good i think like anything it can be used you know in in a way that is detrimental you know to to deify days you 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 have this the abstinence violation effect that we've talked about where when when you say what now the abstinence violation effect which is when you really deify days when you make it everything and you make relapsing just destroy your whole yes. sobriety that's when the day counting kind of gets silly um, that and, is the issue and yeah
0: you know, I, or,
1: or if someone has a certain number of days or says they do to give them some sort of extra you know wisdom or respect when it just means you know they're telling you they haven't used in however long yeah it doesn't really speak to the quality of their sobriety and um and it's so so it can be a false a false uh, thing to look at to kind of gauge where you are having said that you know i guess it's like anything if it helps you um you know i think it's good for the early days but not to oversell it when someone relapses you don't want them to think they've lost everything and right. you know stop going to meetings cuz they don't want to tell you
0: yeah, because there's a lot of uh, artificial shame built into that idea yeah. of relapse. So and, it's a double-edged sword. You know, which doesn't necessarily need to be there. Um, all I know is that whenever anybody, like on the Sober Together app or some somewhere, anywhere else, people reach out to me and say, you know, oh, I was doing so good. I had almost a year and then I relapsed. I always tell them, I said, the way you have to look at it is for the last 100 days, you were sober for 99. That means yeah. you were 99% sober. For yeah. that time period. And that's, you know, a win in anyone's book. And people usually feel really good when they hear that. Yeah. And it because they it they look at it in a different way. Now, I know there are some programs out there that would, you know, freak out about you know having Back to day one, they yeah, used to say. Right. And 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 that shame and, and that kinda came up a little in the book too. Yeah. You know, because uh, we didn't just read one book for this show. We read two books for this show, right? Yeah. I mean, and I just finished 90 days, his second book, like literally I five seconds before I walked into your house. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah. And which is a great book. And I've, I've read that one before, so it'll probably come back to me, but the first book, uh, yeah. And those books should really have been released together, I think, because it's, Sort of a more complete picture of his I think, journey I think
0: Bill needed the money Yeah, probably <laughs> Put it in his two books, you know <laughs> uh, Yeah So I think we got a I don't remember When When was the last show that we did? Do you know? A couple weeks ago Was it January 17th? Was it before or after that? Um, looking at the calendar It
1: was My eyes aren't good enough to see the calendar um, <laughs> A couple of weeks ago Yeah, yeah the 17th yeah. was a Saturday
0: Was it before then? after then,
1: When? The, uh, oh, it was right. before then. Okay. I think
0: it was. Okay. So, uh, we got a five star review then. Yes. <laughs> Let's read it <laughs> from January 17th from RF. And I know who this is actually RF 37. Uh, been listening since day one by chance, searching for sobriety podcasts. These guys are the best even respond to private messages using their own personal time Mm. because they obviously really care about their message. I really appreciate their approach to recovery as it is all our welcome. And of course, progress, not perfection. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yay. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Are we like that? Do we take, I really try to actually, I don't know RF. I'm sorry. I I like, I knew the other, Review that came in And I think we read that one already, but.
1: Yeah Yeah It's really cool People are, are Getting sober or Are getting supported Listening to the show And Hopping on the uh, The Patreon And if, if you're not a member Of Patreon It's patreon.com Slash Recovery in the Middle Ages And we've been doing A lot of um, A lot of discussion And support On uh, On the Discord And the monsters met up in Florida in person, in freaking person. Yeah, I'm so it sounded awesome. I know. and uh, you know it was really cool. So uh, people out there, you know, they're just coming together over the show and just
0: recovering together. And it was nice to see some of the t-shirts. Yeah, did it, <laughs> did it blow your mind as much as it did mine yeah. to watch like five people gathered together on a pier in Florida wearing? T-shirts that yes. were designed by you and me, yep. and printed by Jeff, and yep. uh, like it's just crazy how the internet works. Said yeah, the old man,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that interweb. Yeah, so it's really cool. I'm so glad you guys are recovering together out there, and you know, we're recovering with you. It's just, uh, you know, I don't think I would have had to get to these the five years without this. You know, with all the support. And yeah, it's just been really great. You need Um,
0: something. Yeah. You need something. I don't know. Maybe you don't need AA. Maybe you don't need, you know, whatever. But you need something. You need some people, some like-minded people to gather together with. Yeah, it's like anything. Exchange thoughts and ideas. I've been really, like, off the Discord this past week just because life, you know. Yeah. And uh, I've been trying to make time for that. I've been trying to make... Where's your cat going? That's not my cat.
1: That's a different cat that looks like him.
0: right. If he runs across the street like that a lot... (laughs) <laughs> he's not He doesn't have much time left That's, That's Vladimir
1: yeah, He's fast The yeah. cat is named Vladimir
0: yeah, yeah Is that a Russian family? It's a Russian blue the cat Oh, oh <laughs> uh-huh. okay. You see what I've done <laughs> So is he a stray Or does he belong To the people That live in that house
1: You know, he's one Of the pack of strays That we feed Okay uh, But he's been Captured and fixed By the cat lady
0: <clears throat> Down the road Every neighborhood Has a cat lady Yeah
1: She gets them fixed She traps them And then releases them And they have a clip On their ear To, to denote that They've gotten their shots And um,
0: Once they go feral, though, you can't really. They won't come in.
1: No, but I've got the inside cat to cuddle with, and then the outdoor cats to make me feel like I'm feeding stray cats, which is exactly what I'm doing. (laughs) <laughs> that's the
0: effect I was going for, yeah, like my my dad did that, and by the time he moved out of his house, he had like twenty five of them on the porch, he was yeah. just throwing food out there. It was <laughs> like he like he lived on a farm and he was raising cattle, yeah they're except cute. nobody ever tried to milk the fucking cats, no God, oh my goodness, yeah,
1: so that's that's me and my uh, band of roving cats,
0: well. It's a good thing you do for the cats of the neighborhood. Well, I guess I don't know. I'm I'm just spinning right now. Spin
1: it around. Yeah, I, I heard from Sergeant Slaughter uh, yesterday, and, I, and a couple days before that. <laughs> hey, before we started, you're like, he's like, why does why
0: don't we talk about him anymore?
1: I'm like, so now you're going to talk about? Him. <laughs> well, it was okay. just it's 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 worth mentioning only because, uh, he you know only. Only, well, we we had a bunch of updates about how he was doing, you know, and then it just sort of dropped off. So in any case, he's just kind of gotten back in in touch, and he's doing well, and uh, he just wanted to say hi to the monsters. I told him, I said, leave a voicemail. We want a voicemail. uh," Yeah. And uh, I said, call the RMA hotline at 516-888-6297, and you guys do that too, and we'll play it on the show. You get about three minutes But he said, just tell us how you are on there. He's like, oh, no one wants to hear about all of this. Don't give us the details. Too much details. No, all the details. Okay, give us all the details. (laughs) If you need to... Want the
0: content. You know, call back and we'll play them both. Just tell us if you've seen the pileated woodpecker that's hanging out in Forest Park in Queens. Yes. Let me know. I want to know that. Because I've seen a lot of video of it. And I actually almost... Tried to talk Aaron into going to Queens on Sunday. I, I floated a trial balloon. Would you like to spend Sunday chasing a woodpecker around Forest Park? And <laughs> she's like, "Is that a euphemism?" <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't, sadly. No. <laughs> um, but I don't think that it went over so well. I don't know. Although I did see an eagle yesterday in Oyster Bay. Ah, bald eagle. Really? Yep. Where? Was he sitting uh, on something? The corner or?
1: of Cleft and West Shore Road. <laughs> okay, just like sitting there, <laughs> sitting on a branch. What are you supposed to do when you see an eagle? You take a picture. I your take club. a picture, and then what? You post it on a.
0: I post it in longislandbirds.com. dot com. Aha! And I say I've seen eagles where before there were no eagles, and I get a, lots of middle aged, you know, uh, applause from, from all the <laughs> men in there. And yeah, women. Sergeant Slaughter
1: Who? does the birding, uh, and he told he tried to explain it to me one time, and it sounds like fun. I just. Uh,
0: does it sound like fun? To kind you? of. I mean, you're it's are not old like enough yet.
1: You're always chasing <laughs> these birds around with your camera, and then there's a whole group of you, and you all upload the pictures, and you keep score. It's like fantasy football with the uh, cameras and birds, <laughs> basically.
0: <laughs> You know, you go your whole life without even caring about birds until you hit like around 50, and then all of a sudden they become interesting.
1: Wow, birds, <laughs> birds, birds, birds.
0: Life slows down.
1: It does. By the way,
0: I joined the AARP last week.
1: You did not. I did,
0: because You're- I got like uh, $75 a night off hotel rooms in San Diego. <sighs> <laughs> the funniest thing is Erin gets a card too because she's uh a, she's a a little younger than you though. Yes, yeah, t- 10 years younger. 10 years. She's like your age. Yeah. So now she's in the AARP. Nice.
1: As well. <laughs> AARP, the benefits are endless.
0: So I was coming back from Scranton after dropping my son off. I'm, I'm 55 years old. I just turned 55 beginning of January, right? And this that number for some reason is kind of st- st- duck on me like i'm like it's not 54 it's fucking 55 double nickels and uh uh, i'm driving back from scranton i stop at a taco bell somewhere in east bumfuck pennsylvania Mm -hmm. and i pull up and i I decide not to go to the drive-thru because i got to go to the bathroom so Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're 55 yeah to talk so i go into the uh the, the thing and i'm ordering you know the tacos uh and whatnot, and Aaron's using the bathroom and, and the woman at the counter is like, Will you be using <laughs> the senior discount? And I'm like, What the fuck? And I look at her and I'm like, usually when I g- I've gotten that twice before, and both wow. the times the person who was asking me was like eighteen. And I'm like, Well, they don't know how old adults are. You know, they, yeah. if you're thirty you could be eighty, right? Senior discount. And I but, but this woman was like in her sixties. So she looked at me and she, she could tell she knew that I was were- somebody that might use a senior discount One I was of fucking us. <laughs> pissed But I did get two sodas for free I mean <laughs> So I wasn't that upset
1: I've been looking forward my whole life To getting a senior discount And no. I'm almost there Don't
0: Don't I'm Because it there. means that When you get out of the mor- a bed in the morning Things hurt for no reason
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, So, Recovery in the Old Ages.
0: Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to change the name of the show at some point.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that. You know, in 20 years, what are we going to call the show? We're going to have to have middle-aged people on to tell us what they're up to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I thought we had a nice spread. You know, you're in your 40s. I'm in my mid-50s, and it's sort of like... You know, we, we cover, cast a wide net, right? We do. We have some listeners in their 70s and we have some in their 30s, right? So yeah. it's like, it's a, it's marketing perfection.
1: That's right. right. That's right. We're covering a lot of ground and... Uh,
0: Except I feel old lately. I don't know what the fuck.
1: It's the weather. It's the not sleeping. Yeah. It's the constant everything.
0: I haven't been sleeping too well either. Oh, so.
1: God. So, yeah, it's starting to wear on you, but how do we stay fresh? Lots of I don't know. How coffee. the fuck do we stay
0: fresh? I drink coffee. My coffee consumption's through the fucking roof. Yeah. Through the roof. Hmm. I'm drinking like four cups of coffee a day now. What about vitamins? I take D1 yeah. and B12 together because I heard it was good for seasonal affective disorder. Mm. And I have found that I am less depressed this year than I have been in the past. Now, is that a placebo effect? I don't know. But whatever it is, I'm going to keep taking it. How oh, The placebo effect is uh, is real. It's like
1: 40% or something in yeah. double-blind studies. So. Hey, but once you know it's the placebo effect, doesn't it just like vanish? Like once you stop believing in the devil, he vanish. like don't give it any energy.
0: Listen, I just take the I take the gummies, they yep. taste very good. Uh-huh. I take them in the morning. Gummies. I also take four other gummies uh-huh. that are like THC not, not Those CBD. kind of gummies. They're not the <laughs> The free gummies you got from the head shop. <laughs> the fentanyl dummy uh, <laughs> fentanyl gummies. gummies. Yeah, and I eat suck fentanyl
1: lollipops all day, dude. I used to have a friend when my when I was running a gun, and gunning, this guy he would somehow produce these. He would just be at a party And he'd be sucking on those weird lollipops mm-hmm. And I remember being like What is that? It looked so gross And you like showed me the wrapper mm-hmm. Fentanyl, you know, 0.2% Whatever Jesus. Just su-. And that was like 15 years ago Before fentanyl was So somehow You know They
0: really have fentanyl lollipops I've never tried yeah. them Yeah, and all of a sudden Everybody's so worried That the kids are going to get their hands on edibles But meanwhile They've been making fentanyl lollipops for 20 years Where, where was the worry That kids were going to start sucking on those fuckers But Mm. has anyone od would on a fentanyl lollipop is that possible probably you'd have to like are they very strong
1: i don't think so because they're made i think for people in the hospital who can't take pills or something like that and so i mean i don't know i mean he didn't die of that um i think that was a motorcycle accident
0: oh shit Um, got dark really fast
1: yeah, so, sorry, man. <laughs> uh, moving right along.
0: Um, Where are we at? What do we got? Thirty-five minutes. Yes. Okay, let's talk about the portrait of the addict as a young man.
1: Yeah, it's um the, the book is portrait of an portrait of a, the addict or an addict the I don't know. It's portrait of an addict as a young man, and if you notice the title, it's sort of a takeoff on James Joyce's "The Portrait of an Artist." As a young man,
0: James Joyce didn't do half as much crack as this guy did, though.
1: <laughs> no, and uh, you know, just a comparison, a portrait of the artist as a young man. It's the first novel of James Joyce. And it was was a modern, uh, it traces the religious and intellectual awakening of young Stephen Daedalus, Joyce's fictional alter ego, whose surname alludes to Daedalus, Greek mythology's consummate craftsman. Why did I read that? I was just wondering if... Because you're a fucking
0: English major.
1: And I wanted to just put it in my head so that when we talk about this book, I want to see if there's any parallels. Like, I wonder what other reasons he, if it was just a clever... Name uh, name grab type of thing, but this is Bill Clegg, portrait of an addict as a young man, and it's uh, like I said, a harrowing crackalog.
0: Yes, Bill Clegg, who wrote this, he wrote it in 2010. So we're a little we're a little late to the party in terms of reviewing this uh, <laughs> this book, um, and his follow up book, 90 Days, which traced his attempts to get 90 days of sobriety after the happenings of the first book, was written in 2012. Um, so Bill. He was a literary agent. Uh, he was in a committed uh, relationship with a supportive partner. He was gay, I mean, which is not relevant, but not really relevant. The partner relevant was the gay story. or he was gay? Yeah, I think both. Ah, I think both. Okay. Um, he, had a, he had a perfect life in New York City. He had a lot of friends. Colleagues, he started a literary agency with a partner, and he walked away from all of it uh, and embarked on a two-month crack binge uh, that he he started when he was released from rehab. Uh, and uh, the relapse cost him his house, his money, his career. He almost died, um, and yeah, I mean, he he had substance abuse issues for his whole life, and and it was very interesting how like his younger life. Tracked mine A little bit Or I identified with a lot of things In his Yeah he talks about his growing
1: up And I think what he's trying to do Is explain to us And himself Maybe the origin Of all of these neuroses Yeah And so he goes into Well he had this
0: problem When he was a kid Like he couldn't pee He would stand in front of the toilet And have to hop up and down For like 45 minutes before he could pee, and then it would come out uncontrollably and splash all over everything. Yeah, And his his father was... Um, abusive. Yeah, emotionally and and uh, uh, if not physically abusive. I mean, he, he was also a uh, drinker, alcoholic, yeah. drank a lot of whiskey, and couldn't figure out why his son just couldn't pull himself up by his bootstraps. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this is this guy was raised... His father was an airline pilot. This guy was raised in a upper-class suburban environment up mm-hmm. in Connecticut and then later on in New Hampshire... And, uh, you know, I go through uh, Goodreads and I read some of the reviews of this book because I kind of want to see what, you know, what was the zeitgeist around the time that the book came out. And there were so many people that were piling on this guy because they're like, oh, it's just another privileged, you know, white guy who, you know, had everything going for him and, you know, selfishly threw it all away. And you could always tell, like... You know, just sort of like doing a psychological analysis of the reviews on on Goodreads uh, of addiction memoirs. Who has had an addict in their family that has fucked right. things up? Who is addicted themselves and has uh, insight into how how these stories go? And who has no clue and just you know looks at this yeah. completely from the outside. Um, but uh, I, I and that annoyed me because you know he he could be the the wealthiest, most privileged guy in the face of the earth, and. You know It's still the same It's the same thing That happened to him That happened to me That happened to
1: you Right And and it's this ignorant view That like You know Somehow it's even worse If you've had a What should have been A picturesque upbringing Right And yet you still You idiot You know You've thrown it all away I mean You had it all Now you're whining about it And trying to make more money It's just like They're not getting it Right Right. Like the point is That this disease Touches people From all socioeconomic um, You know Spec, the whole spectrum of people and, uh, and no one's addiction or problems in addiction is any less valid than the next right and so this you know and, and we're obviously or I'm defensive over it because I'm sort of in that same <laughs> yeah. you know yeah me too I, I threw it all away <laughs> and you know um, and tried to get it back and uh, stupidly got addicted to this stuff. Uh, but I think it's an important the way he describes what he went through um, I just it shines a light on on a group. Of people who need just as much help as, as celebrities or very, you know, people who have it bad. You know, it's it's just as important. And um, and I think it was good. It was well but done.
0: The funny thing is, like, I didn't feel that way about Matthew Perry. Like, I called him out for his obscene wealth and privilege and all that stuff. and But I think the issue with Perry wasn't so much that... He was I didn't,
1: disingenuous, I, I did, thought.
0: Yeah, I didn't think that Perry was like... Um, and a you know a privileged person who didn't you know suffer i I, I just didn't like he, the way he was grinding it in everyone's face through the entire part entire book At least that was my perception of it but this this guy maybe he's a better writer he's yeah. a, a, you know he certainly so so my own crack experience lasted for roughly five or six years from like 1986 to 1991. And I was in a lot of situations like this guy and there 's a quote from the book that really resonated with me that said, "There will never be a time when I smoke crack that doesn 't end with me on my knees sometimes for hours, fingering the floor like a madman for crumbs, and I was like, "Oh yes,, yeah. yes, been there, done that and um, uh, so so the book really got inside my head yeah. you know because he 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 narrates in excruciating detail yes you know in poetic everything, detail everything the whole run it was it was a two month long run. And he basically um, did it day by day. Yeah, it's almost like a diary. Yeah, like, um, and you know I mean, I would. I mean, I thought I was pretty bad, but I'm kind. I was. Kind, I'm kind of rank amateur compared to this guy because he would go for for weeks on end. You know, and, yeah, and you know,
1: and part of it was the culture that he found himself in. I think he he got into book publishing, and uh, you know, from college, and but it, you know, and there was a series of. Uh, benefits he had from being, you know, um from having certain types of friends going to certain schools. You know, so he gets himself into the the book, it was like book publishing industry. Yeah. And uh and and so he sort of y- all of his neuroses, you know, he tries to soothe with what's around him and it sounds like, you know, he was seeking it um but you know, he had a very he was a very high functioning, let's say, yeah. crack addict for a little bit. And I thought that that was important to highlight that it really shows how you can appear to be have it together and really underneath the surface you're a crack fiend.
0: well i mean he uh he was an alcoholic first and then the crack came and i mean from my own perspective i there was never a time in my life that i did cocaine that i hadn't had Mm. been drinking first ever right to me they were like the the two things were married at the hip but one always came first right right um but the idea that you can be a functional craghead... Uh, it's extremely difficult. I, for- have, I have questions about that. I mean, he may have thought that he was being functional, but it didn't take him very long. Right. I mean, you can disappear and you can have a day or two, a lost day or two, you know, and then reset the clock and two weeks later you can do it again. And you can carry on like that for a period of time. But when you're going back to back... Yeah. There's no functionality. There's just, you're getting from one hit to the next hit, to yeah. the next dealer, to the next this, and you're out and, and you keep going until you run out of money or you run out of time or whatever. Well,
1: but, that was half his problem <laughs> was he had, he, what he says was $70,000 or yes. something in the bank at the start of this run. Right. And and so he just details like going through basically all of that and you just watch as his relationship falls apart. As the things that he's worked so hard for, and uh, you know, and that he loves, he just slowly starts to not care, not show up. It's the same thing that I did, you know. Uh, we, I had all of these things going for me, and then the more I focused on getting the next hit, mm-hmm. whether it be crack or heroin or whatever I was into at the time, or a drink, you know, you just stop showing up, and then as you do that, it sort of piles up. People notice your family, like you. You start to notice. Well, he talks about his family is trying to reach him to talk mm-hmm. to him, and then the they just kept he turning the phone right. off. And
0: you know, it really goes into like this whole paranoia that he experienced, like when he was supposed to fly and meet his boyfriend over in uh, Europe because his his boyfriend had a had a film over in uh, one of those film festivals over there, yeah. Which one, but he gets to Newark Airport and he misses the flight. Because yeah, this was rough to the, read. Yeah, this, I had a hard time with this because the taxi, his assistant didn't call the taxi in enough time to make it to the airport so he misses the flight they put him on the next flight yeah. but he has like six hours to, or eight hours to kill or maybe it's the next morning so he takes a taxi to a hotel near newark airport and yeah. asks the cab driver if he parties the cab driver says
1: yeah yeah and, that's so awkward i was yeah. like cringing he's like he always goes after the cab driver like do you party yeah
0: but he he still had a bag of crack in his pocket yeah. and uh stem And so he's smoking in the hotel room and then he figures, well, I got several hours to go before the next flight. So he calls his dealer happy, happy in the city who then drives out to Newark Airport and gives him like thousands of dollars worth of crack that he proceeds to continue to smoke in the airport until it's time for him to try and go back to the airport and make the flight. Ugh. And then, as he's walking through the lobby, he sees what he calls the J.C. Penneys. It's all these guys who are dressed up like he. Yeah, he begins to detail his his cocaine
1: psychosis, which yeah. starts to take over.
0: Total paranoia. Yeah. He thinks like everybody in the air in the the lobby is following him. He yeah. gets in the cab. He goes back to the airport. He's smoking crack in the bathroom at the airport. He gets on the pl- and then he thinks he gets on the plane and he thinks the whole thing is an elaborate setup. Yeah,
1: just to uh, to bust him. He's really descended into madness.
0: Yeah, so the, he says something uh, like a weird to the to the, the flight attendant who gets the captain and they throw him off the plane. Yeah, she, he, he says something <laughs> to her
1: like, I know what you're planning. Yeah, it was something right.
0: like and that. And this is right after 9-11, yeah. so it didn't go She's down like, so good. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> gets the captain they throw him off the plane they tell him they can put him on the next plane the next day now they're very helpful because he's yeah. got a first class ticket Let's right remind, so speaking of privilege, privilege like he's yeah.
1: getting a little
0: bit more uh, leeway i'd say yeah but he, then he goes back to the hotel right or yep he he has to go back no he has to I don't know, some, some he gets in a cab, he goes back to Manhattan, yeah, yeah. Continues to, he just blows off, the, finally blows off the flight entirely. It just
1: gives me so much anxiety, like, thinking about, oh, yes. he's got this flight coming up, and he keeps smoking more crack, and you know how that feels, like, yeah. you're never leaving that hotel room, you're right. missing
0: that flight. Yep, yep, and he did, and that was sort of like the beginning of the spiral over the next two months, and towards the end of the run when he's like walking around in lower Manhattan like it's it's so funny and I remember this too like how you can find fellow travelers on the crack road mm-hmm. like it's not hard you're just you look a certain way at a certain yeah. hour of the day like in the middle of the day you just kind of bump into people in Alphabet City you mm-hmm. know down in the Lower East Side and then you know there's knowing looks and then you start talking and then all of a sudden you find yourself in some weird apartment mm-hmm. like, this, like he did and then oh
1: yeah that woman the old lady the crack smoker
0: yeah, and uh. and I had my share of that, like, up in the Bronx. I yeah. used to go to Freddy's Crack House, like, every Friday night, <laughs> Friday at Freddy's, um, with my check that I got from the Bronx Zoo, and I'd, I'd cash the check at the check-cashing place, show up at Freddy's on Friday night, and leave sometime, like, late Saturday now. without a dollar in my pocket, and, you know, the bird's chirping outside, and there's Ugh. that feeling, you know. And then I'd be like, well, I don't have any money for the rest of the week, and i <laughs> like rinse and repeat you know but but so and then that that whole thing where he like is sneaking he can't find anywhere to go because no hotel is going to rent him a hotel because he looks so strung out and he goes into the store and he buys a new sweater and he puts it on and he has a couple of loops added to his belt and i'm like oh yeah it just really like was like getting hit in the head with a baseball bat kind of remembering how it went down
1: um yeah that was so painful and and just remembering that the kind of strange people that you find, you know, friendships with in those scenarios like Ooh. between 10 and 5 a.m. That's over, looking for overstating crack. the case, my
0: friend. friend yeah. Friendship is not what that <laughs> yeah. is.
1: I mean, we've if, if out there if you've been on the run like this, on a run, the people you end up with uh, and the places you go yeah. can sometimes be the scariest part. Um now he locks out. He's like when he's walking around looking for a hotel, and they're not letting him in Like he tries to go To the hotel Giraffe Which I've stayed in By the way Oh really? Yeah we, My wife and I Used to go there It's really cool a Little boutique hotel mm. And uh, and so he describes Going in to get a room And the person It's like a, a younger guy <laughs> right. Starts checking him in And then the manager Comes over And she's like Oh hold on one second <laughs> And she looks at the computer And goes Um it looks like There's nothing tonight I'm so sorry And he's like Oh Just to be rejected And then he starts to walk I guess, down the street or to a, a worse part of town maybe mm. and he sees people congregating outside, something yeah. like from The Wire, I don't know if you've seen that show, The Wire, yeah, yeah, yeah. where it's those courtyard, you know, it's something like that and he can eyeball, there's one guy who looks like he's in charge right? or it probably is selling things or everybody's coming to him and then he looks the guy in the eye and the guy, I think, recognizes instantly Right w- What this guy needs, and he 's like, "I need a place to go you know yeah. to be and so the guy says i you know he goes i 'll make it worth your while right is what uh, Bill says, and so the guy for some reason, trusts him, brings him upstairs to a woman probably in her sixties or seventies mm-hmm. who does nothing but smoke
0: crack and knit in this yeah. little apartment. she makes these weird art art projects yeah that, that he describes as like being. Twenty five percent away from being beautiful or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So he he finds himself and then he gives the guy two hundred. But
1: the guy goes, so are you, is it worth my while or something? And yeah. he goes, hands him two hundred dollars. He goes, yes, yes, it is. Yeah. So Bill goes into this apartment is really small apartment and probably one of these um you know those I, I, what do you call them the project type buildings or do you think it was something different like in no the Bronx? I, i'm
0: pretty sure i know where he was yeah it was on the on the lower east side there's a there's a couple of, of housing projects down there
1: right so he he gets in there and he doesn't seem phased at all because she seems if you've seen the matrix i picture the <laughs> oracle you know <laughs> right making the cookies except. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know uh and so he gives her money to go get and they just smoke crack together right and uh and he feels i guess safe but i mean i got that feeling that i used to get yes. when i would find myself in these places yeah. and when you just like become aware for a minute of just where the fuck mm-hmm. you are and man, I got those chills, yep, it's like that haunted feeling, you're like, "Oh, fuck, here I am, um, I'm so fucking glad I don't do that. oh either. my God, the place is ugh, so um, but he gets out of it, you know, um, he gets out of that place, and then, um you know he he details. Like exactly, and it's amazing the the way his relationship falls apart, mm-hmm. the way he treats his boyfriend who they were very close and uh and with some very weird you know situations. And you can just see that this guy who's a pretty normal, you know, high functioning, is doesn't know what to do, you know. And it reminded me of all the loved ones in my life that when I was in that state, like that look in their eye, like. They just don't
0: know what to make of what you're doing because right. it makes zero sense. That relationship, though, was strange, and he, he alludes more to it in uh, the second book, 90 Days, You know, which sort of picks up where the first book left off, but that it was an incredibly codependent relationship uh, to the point where this guy, like, like, they actually rekindled their relationship in the second book, but it became clear that if he didn't need he didn't need him the same way. They didn't need each other. Hmm. And so it kind of fell apart. Yeah. Like, interesting. Um, and you know, I got I have my issues with the whole concept of codependency, but um I I it was just interesting. The the, the boyfriend s- needed to take care, of, to a, take care of a of falling a, you exactly. know, bird or right. whatever, right. A, wounded a wounded bird. bird.
1: And uh, and he needed so that was the dynamic. So once that goes away right. and then you have that um yeah, ninety days I would like to get into that because it, it also it's on his journey um like I did 90 days 90 meetings in 90 days and so mm-hmm. he kind of details his life going through that in the post you know addiction crisis mode and the end of the book is very um
0: it was jarring I'd say the end of which book of, the first one yeah well the way he sort of bottomed out um it ends with the bottom basically yeah i mean he he found he plumbed the depths and found yeah. other bottoms after he supposedly got out of rehab but um but it was pretty much a bottom i mean he's he the money in his account went from seventy thousand dollars to like a thousand bucks or yep. whatever and um he finally gets himself in the gansevort hotel and gets himself a room the paranoia he thinks people are going to there's a bunch of SUVs across the street yeah. with guys he's with binoculars in full in there, psychosis, yeah. Smoking away his dreams. He kept ordering bottles of vodka from room service and drinking them and, and um, blasting his way through. And he does he- it right, though. I mean, he gets <laughs> bottles and he's like living it up yeah. you know, for
1: a little bit. I mean...
0: The crackhead in me from way back when was thinking like he he really could have stretched that money out a lot oh, better. Yeah, he was doing way too <laughs> yeah. much. I'm like, this guy's got champagne tastes on a beer budget, man. He it, needs to he needs yeah, to dial it back. You know, bottles of Stoli from room service, forty and, bags. a guy happy comes yeah. and just
1: throws forty bags of crack on the table, and he's like, "All right, I'll be good for a couple of days." You yeah. know, where <laughs> it should
0: last you a month. But then he he started um, checking him. You know his suicidal thinking sort of on the surface, which is kind of where mine was during that period. I would just kind of like contemplate whether or not if I jumped off the balcony, I would die if mm-hmm. I hit the ground. And, and he says that a lot. Like, you know, I is this hotel room high enough that when I'm done with this, I can just yeah. jump, jump off and hit the ground. And I, I used to think like that all the time. I'm like, you know, if I jumped in front of the train right now, would, would that do it? Um, it's a horrible way to live. And it's really the coming down off the crack is what's, cause when that's gone out of your system, like you're not suicidal anymore. Like right. I, at least I never was, I, I was um, the same
1: way. You know, you get in those situations and suicide suddenly becomes one of your options.
0: Yeah. And so he basically yeah. tried to use himself to death, like be- between the crack. And then he bought all these over the counter, um, uh, sleep aids, uh, pills. And he would took like 20 or 30 of them or something. Yeah. You know, at the end and, and then he wandered over to some he doesn't remember what happened uh he, the the pill started kicking in and then he wanders over to his old apartment where he lived with his boyfriend and the boyfriend had changed the locks and this, yeah. this whole like thing and then he ends up in uh, rehab up in white plains in yeah, new york
1: and there there was a moment too cuz uh, while this is all going on he also had this uh, publishing company, or yes. it was a PR or something. Oh, for, pu- he, publishing. Was publishing. he was publishing.
0: He was a literary agent. He represented a number of. Actually, I go back and went back and read a number of famous authors.
1: This guy is going to come install the door right now. Right God, now, damn it! He's supposed to come at eleven, um, and uh, just watching how his business also collapses. Yeah. You know, and he just starts vanishing, and um, and then at some point he just tells his partner. Um, You know, this is, I'm not coming in. You should move on. Right.
0: Okay, we're going to take a break and be right back after after these words. And we're back. And we're back.
1: Um, you know what? You
0: know what? The guy's, he's, got, he's got hearing aids. He's what? He has hearing aids. So uh-huh. maybe he can't hear us talk about doing drugs. So he can't hear us. Yeah, sorry about so that, guy. So there's a, there's a man that's come to work on Nat's front door, but he's like 80, and he's got two hearing aids in. So as we talk about doing crack and stuff, <laughs> maybe he won't hear us. Yeah, so sorry.
1: He was supposed to come at 11. We're getting a front door. This is... Uh, very inconvenient, um, <laughs> but just getting back to what I was just um, what I was just talking about because this kind of it reminded me of situations because I had these businesses mm-hmm. over the last you know since two thousand, and I also had a nasty drug habit and drinking habit, and there was definitely more than one time I was in the middle of a great opportunity, or working at a startup or a nice company, and I had a good chance. I just flushed it down the toilet. And I remember feeling that way. You know, you've got a partner or someone that's counting on you, Mm -hmm. that you've started a business with or something, and you just can't get it together. Yeah. You know, and and I could hear that in in the way he talks to his partner. You could just hear the, you know, it's that huge letdown. You're letting yourself down. You're letting this partner down and you're throwing it away. And he does. He does. And even in that moment when he's writing to her, when he tells Kate, you know just go on without me this isn't i've I've gone out again i've got mm-hmm. I've gone back and uh yeah he
0: just he burns it all down burns it all down yeah but he needed... i guess he needed sort of like joseph naus realized that he needed to burn it all down to rebuild it back up in a better, in a better healthier way i mean naus was a little more upfront about you know um Having that, like in his consciousness, he, he had like sort of a light bulb moment when he was like, "I had to design this perfect self destruction in yeah. order to rebuild." You know, well, it's a nice way of looking at it if you have a positive <laughs> is, spin, like is. a horrifying <laughs> drug. I mean, uh, he came out of you know, he came out of uh, rehab, like over a hundred thousand dollars in debt, yeah. you know, to lawyers, to his partner, to you yeah. know all this stuff, and. Yeah, I- he had the
1: same type of thing with his law firm. I mean, that was so. That's um, for the high functioning "quote unquote" addict. There's a lot of times a great job that goes down the toilet with uh, with your addiction.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so that's at the end of um, at the end of a Portrait of the Attic, He goes to a rehab in White Plains and spends how long was he there for? A month? Uh, yeah, twenty eight days probably. Yeah, and then comes back to the city and tries to restart his his life and i guess there was a, a few failed intervention attempts when he was on his you know two-month run yeah and he would just literally ran away from the people that came to try and drag him off to rehab but he seems to, uh, that he's going to take it more seriously this time at the beginning of of uh 90 days which you know they tell you to do the ninety and ninety, right? Like, yeah, you know, and that's how you you jumpstart your recovery. Uh, yeah, I believe in that. I did a ninety and ninety,
1: um, and it was when I had no car mm-hmm. either. So that's when one of the reasons I still love AA is because it got me through times that I couldn't have gotten through
0: mm-hmm. otherwise. I mean, you know. I I uh, when I my last binge uh, in nineteen ninety three, maybe because I. Had one last hurrah like this guy, although not not as it was only a night long. I um I was in an apartment with my girlfriend at the time, and I we had spent the day apple picking and had a few drinks, and I was like, I'm going to go and get some ingredients to make an apple pie, and I walked out of the house, and then I somehow I was drunk and I ran into some guy in the street, and I, <laughs> I came back at seven o'clock the next morning. Ugh with a, a bag with like butter and flour in it. And she, she threw me out. She's like, I don't, I don't want anything to do uh-huh. with you anymore. And I was like, okay. And I went home to um, my parents' house on Long Island, curled up in a ball, and then called a friend of mine the next day who uh, had been in AA for like five or six years at that point. And he took me to a meeting. And I did the same thing, the 90 and, uh, yeah, I had, uh, I didn't go to too many meetings after that, but managed to stay sober for a couple of years. Um,
1: yeah, it gets you into the, it like, ensconces you yeah. in the don't use, and don't it, drink. There's a social aspect. They yeah, pick you up I if mean, you need the, a ride. That's
0: the good part of it. Yeah. You know, but, you know, the, The bad part of it, I I mean, to me, like, I'm watching this poor guy suffer, like, relapse after relapse after relapse. And there's no, nobody says to him, maybe you need some (laughs) naltrexin or maybe you need to see a therapist, or maybe you need, you know, it's just like, keep coming back, which is great if you keep coming back. If you can. If you don't jump off that balcony on your next relapse, then you can come back. Right. But just like everybody else in these rooms that he was going through, they all relapse, right, like, regularly. And... You know, and he starts wondering: Is am I one of those people that's he actually says it that's constitutionally incapable of being honest? And I'm like, here we go. Yeah, you know, it's I, a
1: very dangerous uh, attitude. And um, you know, he's lucky. I mean, I I haven't caught up with him since he wrote Ninety Days. As far as I didn't like follow where he's at now.
0: Well, he's he's got two novels out now, actually, and one just came out a couple oh. years ago. So he's I, I assume he's still okay. Wow, that's great. Know? Yeah, but he he was, you know, he doesn't never names AA because you know the twelfth one of those traditions, Beyond. whatever. But uh, he's definitely all in, you know. Yeah, and I would love to get him on
1: the show. Um, I confuse him frequently with August Augustine Burrows, who's a famous addiction memoir author who wrote the book Dry, because they have a, a similar. A similar uh, vocal affect it's it's all new york city it's drugs it's mm-hmm. like i think he's in in advertising or something and he's in publishing but um you know it was a very very good book um i thought he just wrote really well and there's a lot more in that i think what we should do probably is discuss the second book um the 90 days maybe on uh on the next show what do you think
0: yeah, I guess so. I mean, it, it really isn't much to it. I yeah, mean, he just it, it's, gets it's, he
1: goes gets clean basically.
0: Yeah, but it takes a, a lot of fits and starts, and there's a lot of like self awareness that da- starts to dawn on him, and he has. It's a very rocky road. There's a lot of relapses, and the one that scared me. You know, let's just finish finish Bill Clegg today. Yeah, okay. There's not much more. I mean, you know, at the end of the book, uh, he says that he submits the 90-day the manuscript to his publisher, and then he goes to um, Bangkok to meet a friend over there to hang out for a little bit. And he goes to the... Ho- he's, when he's on his way from the airport to the hotel, the taxi driver... I don't know what it is with this guy in taxi drivers, but he always <laughs> seems to get in trouble with taxi drivers. Yep. The taxi driver's like, you like boy? You like girl? You like drugs? And he's he like, goes, yes. yes. And, they, <laughs> and so the taxi driver gives him a phone number. He goes to the hotel and a couple of weeks earlier, his friend John had said to him, they were sitting in the, the lobby of a hotel, and his friend John said to him, I had the best gin and tonic of my life in this hotel. And that thought just lodged in his yeah. head, and he started like working over that thought and kept picturing the glass with the, yeah, the beads, this beads of, of sweat, and, sweat and, gl- and, the, yeah. and the lime and everything. And he couldn't let go of it for like weeks. And so he finally gets to the hotel. A couple weeks later, checks himself in. He's got this guy's number in his pocket. And he's six years sober. Mind you, he's just submitted the manuscript 90 days. Right. And he calls room service, orders a bottle of vodka, um, drinks four drinks, and is on his way to go call that number. Um, right. When he sees that uh, his sponsee, somebody he's been helping out, has called him like four or five times across international datelines and needs help. And it kind of smacked him back to his senses. Yeah,
1: it's that 12th step, that you know, one alcoholic helping another. Yeah, but, then, it, he, but you know. then he
0: lied about the, he's told everybody that he almost relapsed. And he's, he said, as soon as I told that lie, yep. all of a sudden, like, I felt like I was lying about everything. Like I had this <laughs> yes. hidden personality again. Yes. Like I was hiding things, you know. And so like this, this whole idea of, like, brutal, like, not brutal honesty. Rigorous, rigorous honesty. Rigorous honesty. Yes. He had, and he finally comes clean, and then I guess adds another chapter to to 90 Days, the book. But uh, he's like, but it's funny, because he's like, you know, I had this vision in my head of this perfect gin and tonic, yeah. you know. The in romanticizing. This, in this bar, and he's like, and at the end of the day, I'm in my hotel room, and it's a glass of, it's a, it's a dirty glass of vodka with, like, half of an orange peel that I found in the fruit basket in it. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, that's what, you know how the mind works you know yeah that it's so funny and it and it rings so true
1: that especially the honesty thing like half of the work i had to do to to get clean and get 5 years is to learn how to be honest because i got in such a habit basically of everything was a lie um and you know i i almost didn't know how to be honest and so that was one of the good things about going to these recovery groups and you know even though it was court ordered is it forces you to at least try you right know, and get sort of an accepting response and that sort of thing. So yeah, I can totally I can I can relate to that because there have been times in my sobriety where it would be easy to lie about something to not have to deal with it. Yeah. And I'm not saying every single time I'm honest, you know, but you know, when I am faced with that choice, I really struggle because I know that the dishonesty you know, even if I'm being honest about something stupid that doesn't even matter, mm-hmm. I wanna do that because I remember who I was. I remember that lying for no reason, just a you know, self preservation. And so in order to keep, you know, your your good habits going and your, your your conscience clean, for me, yeah, just like he said, you keep that
0: rigorous honesty and that goes a long way. And it's not easy. I think that's why you see so many addiction memoirs. Yeah. Also actually, because people feel like they need to get the whole thing yeah. out in front of as many people as possible. So there's nothing. You know what they call that? Left.
1: Confession. Confession. Prayer. Right. Confession. Okay.
0: Good works. You can con- sounds like religion. You can confess in a little booth. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on
1: what kind of booth. Is it Times For- Square of the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> That's a different kind of kind confession. Kind of different kind of
0: booth. On your knees either way. Either way. <laughs> or you can confess... Uh, you know, publicly in front of thousands of people. If you happen to have, be a literary agent, it's helpful.
1: Uh, yeah, or you have a podcast you know. and we can spew all of our stuff all over the place. So everybody is... <laughs> that's th- like th- Times in the 80s too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so <laughs> so they're good books. You know. uh, two thumbs up for me. I, I don't know if that's because he's a good writer or because I identified with a lot of the story. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not an AA guy, but I really appreciated him... Sharing the entire arc of his recovery,
1: yeah, uh, and, and it's a common one. Nick Chef had the same thing with his books. Just when he finished writing his memoir, I think it was Tweak, yeah, he goes and relapses horrifically, and his second book is about in between the two books. <laughs> and um, you got
0: to give yourself content somehow, right?
1: Yeah, but um, <laughs> let me just say this: these books are predictable in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it follows all of these addiction memoirs follow this sim- similar story arc, right? right. So why is this worth listening to? Why is this worth reading? The way he describes his experiences mm-hmm. are what really makes this book. And his delivery, uh, when he reads it himself, I like it. He's oh, a yeah. little dry. Yep. But it, there's something about these books, kind of like with Joseph Now's his writing. It's not the same kind of writing, but in the same way. The way he writes these experiences, even though they're kind of, been, it's been done type of thing, mm-hmm. it's really brilliant, or it really spoke to me. So, you know, read these books, listen to them, let us know what you think. Come on the uh, Patreon, uh, on the Discord, or come to the private Facebook group and, and tell us what you think. You know, are we far off? Are we getting close? Do you disagree? Agree? I'd love to have these debates and uh, these discussions. I think it's, it's part of what keeps me clean. So let's, let's
0: keep talking about it. Are we far off, man? Are we far out? Oh, far out. Far out, man. Yeah. Far out. So, Nat, you know what time it is? Is it Recovery in the News?
1: I'll just drop that. Recovery out. in the News. Recovery in the News. <laughs> recovery. <laughs> recovery in the News.
0: Motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. I was. I think he did that at like. 120 and i think the damn <laughs> recovery of the news is more like 100 sorry guys recovery in the news uh, this being dry january there's so many alcohol there are so many alcohol related articles floating around out there in the yeah i've noticed this zeitgeist interesting um, and one just popped up that i thought was good actually a few and i had to choose one so from the washington post this week uh, it's On Your Mind column, How Cutting Back on Alcohol Can Help Depression and Anxiety. Um, but that's not how it was sold to me on Facebook. They they threw another title on it, like even small amounts of drinking can cause depression and anxiety or something along those lines. Is this guy in the doorway? Now? Yeah. All right. Um, so people... There's construction noise. So people uh, taking part in dry January may notice they have an improved mood, clearer thinking, and better sleep. Okay. Um. (laughs) Sorry. I don't know if you guys can hear that, but there's a lot of construction going on. Um, But what I like about these articles and what I like about this article in particular is that people are getting to the point where they're actually talking about. Hold on. Hold on. Sounds like we're about to have a lot of noise in here. I think this guy's going to be running a circular saw while Nat moves shoes and things out of the way to let this fella get going here. Great timing. Okay. So what I think is is really interesting about these articles is they're finally starting to talk about the negative effects of alcohol use, even when you're drinking events yeah. that would not be considered, you know, problematic. Right, like the New York Times has had
1: a couple of articles when it's like, experts, you know, is that one of them where like the experts are saying even a little bit is harmful, so why are we still promoting alcohol?
0: That That's kind of how this article came across my Facebook yeah. feed. But what they really do is they go into the fact that... Like, um That they talk about like That alcohol is immediately rewarding Depending on how quickly you drink And how fast your blood alcohol rises And it it is by turns relaxing Euphorant and disinhibiting But most people don't appreciate That while the pleasurable effects of alcohol Are nearly instantaneous The negative effects are delayed Often by several hours or days And that time lag makes it hard to see The connection between alcohol And its adverse effects Yeah, days, months, years I mean But but that's like a, a focus I feel like they don't really take they're not, what they're saying is you, you can drink a couple glasses of wine every day to unwind, but not have any idea like how much that small amount of alcohol is affecting you. Right. Like they talk about, um, the guy who wrote the article says that he has a, a patient in his mid-40s, I guess he's a doctor, who he was treating for depression, who had become inexplicably anxious and depressed with the return of insomnia after many weeks of solid improvement, and they tried. To, he tried to figure out why he was having these problems, and then when he acquired, inquired about his alcohol consumption, he discovered that the guy was um, had resumed his usual habit of two or three glasses of wine at dinner as soon as he started to feel better, didn't tell his doctor about it, and then all of a sudden had the insomnia every night. Right. So, um, And then he asked, he asked his doctor for a prescri- prescription for Ambien. Of course. And his doctor's like, why don't you stop drinking over the weekend and let's see what happens to your mood on Monday and your sleep over the weekend. And the guy stops and... Remarkably, is able to sleep through the night and his anxiety goes way down, his depression yeah. goes way down. It's amazing that he could stop. It is. Yeah. You know. Um, but, you know, even even with moderate levels of alcohol consumption, typical of normal social drinkers who are free of any psychiatric illness, you can still experience the negative effects of alcohol on your mood in the days after you've been drinking.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a really good sign that this is starting to come out in the media. You know, as as much as it's complained about this media and the way that they manipulate narratives, that can be done in a good way. You know, if it's a good narrative, it's something that to make people healthier and it seems like in the same way that electric cars have become more hip, mm-hmm. uh, cool and it's like it's not um you know, and that's helping, you know what I mean? Because in the same way the alcohol lobby maybe is starting to take a little bit of a hit, you know, because at some point there will be journalists, there will be researchers who aren't right. in bed with these companies who are going to grow up just studying this stuff and go, what, this is re- like, you know, uh, scotch is used to like uh, disinfect wounds in zombie yeah. movies, you right. know, and that, that's evidence right there, um, you know, and I think that's such a great thing that we're starting to see this and maybe this will make the, you know, change the paradigm. Um, but unfortunately or fortunately know. <laughs> marijuana, you know cannabis is sort of rising up to fill that void right you know it's like when you kill one terrorist leader another one raises up yeah. so what's next I'm,
0: I'm less worried about uh, a bunch of people stoned than I am about it's harm reduction you know I mean tis what it is I mean You know, just the fact that uh, a a big paper like the Washington Post or the New York Times is talking about the adverse effects of alcohol on on everyday mood and talking about the empirical evidence that alcohol is a depressant and can cause clinical depression Uh and, you know, increased anxiety even after a night of moderate drinking. Yeah. Um, The cancer studies are are helpful, too, for
1: people to see that, you know, these actual studies, when they publish it in the Times or the, you know— and, like, someone like my father will send me the article and they'll say, you know, even a little bit increases your cancer risk. I think it was 30%, the article yeah. I read. These are the types of things that they're starting to come out with more regularity. It's going to affect, I, I hope, people's, you know, intake and their outlook on alcohol.
0: But unfortunately, like, still at the end of the day, that New York Times article we discussed a couple weeks yeah. ago, they didn't recommend. At com- the end, they say, complete, "Well, you don't have to stop, even yeah. though even though two or three, you know, drinks uh, a, a day is is a cause for concern about long lasting effects on your ability to think." Yeah, and <laughs> you know, you don't have to you don't have to quit entirely. And, and even this article, you know, um, even if you resume your drinking, you may decide to scale back now that you've seen for yourself some of the downsides of alcohol to your mental health. Yeah. Like it's it's it just seems like they can never take the. Final step, and say, you know what, this stuff is poison. It's not good for you. You've been manipulated by mark markets for all these years, yeah. uh, marketing efforts, and you really should not drink at all. Well, like, why can't we just, as a society, get that out there?
1: Maybe in in those scenarios, if I'm making excuses for the newspapers. Maybe they're, they're taking the like the Star Trek non-interference policy, the prime
0: directive. They want to give you the information, but they don't want to tell you what to do. Now, what they're taking is money from the alcohol industry Maybe advertise. I mean, the New York Times has a wine of the month club. I see, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, they're not, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, it's one of those things. The people,
1: it, like, it's good. They're giving the information, and they're sort of saying, but, you know, I'm not telling you to stop
0: drinking. Right. Maybe it's wink, wink. But you know what, you though? Know? That's what I would needed to he, like yeah when i was reading all these articles and they never said stop right you know yeah one glass of wine it's good for your heart i've right. been hearing that my entire fucking yeah. life one glass of red
1: wine and it's not true each night no it's <laughs> fucking bullshit you just drink grape <laughs> juice idiot yeah like
0: that will <laughs> give you your antioxidants that's right um just eat a fistful of fucking blueberries you don't need to <laughs> you drink wine it's crazy yeah. and i think yeah, I think we're done. I think we're done. I have to take my dog to the salon.
2: Recovery in the news.
1: <laughs> uh, it's gone by now. Okay. I turned it off. By so, thank you guys so much for listening. Sorry about the interruptions. Um, I'm just really glad, uh, Mike, that we got to do this because, so am I, man, this morning was. Uh, I, I was thinking to myself, maybe we should just push it. You know, maybe push we should it. do it next week. Push it real good.
0: Wow. And um <laughs> You have talents that I just I keep discovering every time <laughs> I meet you. <laughs>
1: Um, that about does it for today I know I had a great time Did you? Oh yes yes. Thank you so much for listening Visit us at MiddleAgesRecovery.com Podbean Apple Podcasts Facebook Instagram Spotify YouTube Twitter So Tweet us at You twit Support your favorite show That's us Drop a five star review On Apple iTunes We will will read Your Review on the air Um, Figure out a way To buy a t-shirt Because I don't even know How our website works Anymore with that stuff (laughs) Um, Or just write us And say hello It's Mike R At middleagesrecovery.com Also Facebook come join the Facebook group it costs nothing it's like a cult it's exactly like a cult yeah we'll tell you what to think don't worry about it (laughs) we'll tell you exactly what to do think and where that's it Um, and uh, of course we have the discord we're recovering together the monsters are meeting up we're discussing the books We're. it's great it's at patreon.com recovery in the middle ages join us and, uh, and have a fucking blast And finally <laughs> The best way to help the show Is to share it with a friend um, the only, My only friend is sitting across the table from me And he's on the show So I can't, sh- I can't share it with him But you have friends out there And I'm talking to you Go to your friend You know they're going to laugh You know they're going to get sober If you send them the show It's, it's proven to be the most proven. effective marketing that exists it's word, true. Of word of mouth Word of mouth <laughs> And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Progress, not perfection. We'll see you next time. Stay fresh,
2: cheese bags. Be good.